G'day guys, Ben Quagliata from the Beyond the Fence podcast. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to quickly share with you a new project I have going on, which is a fantasy Premier League newsletter over on Substack. It's called The Backup Keeper, and it's got all your tips, tricks, guys to avoid, guys to buy at low value, game previews, game of the weeks, all that sort of good stuff for all you EPL and FPL lovers. So head on over to beyondthefence.substack.com to subscribe so it hits your inbox, and let's get into the show. G'day and welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Fence podcast. And oh, mate, what are you doing here again? Why are you back? Again, it is embarrassing <laughs> how many times I've been on this compared to the amount of better credentialed, know more about what they're talking about guests you've had on here. Look, in my absolute defence, you came to me with this idea and I was like, yeah, why not? That's <laughs> <laughs> a bit like, that's the only way I can get on. Yeah, well, they don't come, don't complain then when you're on too much then. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Tim Ray of the internet is back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Silence for applause. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the peanut gallery couldn't even think of anything for that one. How are you? You have to, like, imagine that I, uh, just a little, like, when you very, very close, like, tap in for Birdie and then you the little wave to the crowd. That's what, that's what I was doing in that silence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, since we last spoke, which was uh, Sunday evening, so what's that, five days ago now? How, four days ago? Monday, I don't know. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. F1's back, so. Yes, we're, we're talking well. F1. Um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm great, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking F1. It's The summer break is coming to an end, which, I mean, kind of a pointless summer break, summer break considering the schedule, but... Uh, we'll, we'll get into that probably. Um, I haven't even looked at the run sheet. Are we going to get into that? Let's just say it now. Like it, th- three weeks off and then three weeks in a row they're racing. What's the point? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's always been a thing in F1 that um, although the calendar has been much less squashed previously, but yeah, you're, yeah. you're really packing it in on the other side of this calendar. Yeah. So here's all here's all this rest. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I understand, like, the the thing is, is that, like, a lot of people don't sort of notice or appreciate a lot is that, like, the F1, like, sort of season doesn't really stop in between race weeks. Like, it is essentially fought in the factories as well. Um, so so it is somewhat of a break for, for that side of F1. Um, mm. But, geez, it makes yeah. it tough logistically as well. Yeah. All right, wait, do you want to start at the title fight? There's no better play to start at the top. All right, we actually, for the first time in, well, I don't know, since, I guess... It's probably the best title Rimble. fight since... No, well, in terms of, like, two teams fighting, yes. But, like, just two drivers, probably the best one since Rosberg beat Hamilton. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry, I totally blank. That's the one I was trying to think of, 2016. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah the best, the best you know, actual mano-a-mano fight since... Well, it's because Ferrari were doing it illegally for half a season. <laughs> the, the brief Vettel-Hamilton... Vettel was up, like, 43 points or something. Yeah. And then just completely blown away. I think that was 17 or 18, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Hamilton, Verstappen, eight points in it. Actually, I haven't looked at the stats probably, but I just thought Hamilton... Uh, sorry, I thought Verstappen was in front. I guess that DNF last race 
ruin that. Yeah. But uh, uh, that's the analysis you get on this show. You know, not finishing <laughs> races, not conducive to success. But yeah, it's not um, points. It's it's been a very exciting top of the top of the grid, which yeah, we haven't been able to say for a while. Yeah, it's been great, and as well that they've been going at it a lot. Obviously, they came together in uh, in Britain. Um, but most, I would, I was rewatching sort of highlights of most of the races this season, and it's a, it's a fight straight away off the line between this and most most of the races this season, or at least the early ones. Yeah, it's like for, for once, and part of that is you know Max developing as a driver. Obviously, the machinery, Red Bull's getting better, but it's the first time really in a while that Hamilton's been actually challenged, and I think. There was a lot of talk coming into this season, you know, Hamilton would win his eighth and then probably retire, you know, just that sort of complacency. But he's actually, you know, being forced to show, like, what a good driver he is again. I think it's a nice surprise. It's a nice reminder, I guess, for the fans. Yeah. Because, like, probably haven't needed to see the best of Hamilton for the last few years. Yeah, like, he hasn't needed to pull it out. So it's, it's good to see that. I think the thing I've sort of... Uh notice with, with Lewis this season is that Mercedes have made mistakes and like they're not not that they, they're a team they're a team that has minimalized making mistakes and that's how they've dominated the world championship like the better past better part of the last decade. But Lewis is like you cannot it takes so much for him not to like make the podium. Like he will get a lap behind and then race through run through the field, finish second. The the win at Silverstone, like it is so hard to deny Lewis. It's just a ridiculous level of like recovery if he makes a mistake or if Mercedes make a mistake. And it's, I think it's, it's just, like that's why he's in the or leading the title fight. It's just been so hard to capitalize on mistakes because he's minimalized the mistakes that they have made. Yeah, it's like there's been a lot of sloppy, I guess, team mistakes, you know, yeah. strategy, faux pas, just general, you know, pit stops, um, un, yeah, un-Mercedes-like uh, mistakes, but yeah, I think there's been a couple of races this season where Lewis has found himself in like eighth or ninth, you know, like 40 seconds behind a podium or like 30 seconds behind a podium or whatever, um, and the commentators will go, oh, you know, Lewis, you know being such a front-runner most of his career, A, isn't used to overtaking, but then also uh, the Mercedes famously a front-running car, like not really great being towed behind another car. Yes. So then... We'll just look at Bottas for that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, you know, so he'll be 30 seconds behind and then the comms will go, oh, you know, he might, he'll do well to scrape, like to get up back into like fourth or fifth. And yeah. I'll, I'll be sitting there watching, going, you know, it's, you know, he's 40 seconds behind with like 15 laps left, like there's no way. And then yeah, you, yeah. you blink and then you look down at the end of the race, and he's oh, he's third. And obviously there is an element to that of he's in an extremely good car, he's in the Mercedes. But like, like I said, Bottas isn't doing that. It's just been like yeah, and it, it's not like this is something that's just happened this season. Like many a win out of nowhere, or many a save out of nowhere he's done in this car before. It's just remarkable that 
It is so hard. He basically needs to DNF to get him out of the points. Anything yep. can happen, and, and <laughs> Lewis is going to go to score points, which just makes it so much harder for for Max and Red Bull, who I think pretty clearly have the better car, and yet Lewis still leads the championship. Yeah, well, it's like uh, it was Baku, I think. Yeah, the restart after Max went out. Yeah. Um, and you heard Lewis on the radio going, you know, just. Let's just, because I think he went into the restart, what, third or something? Uh, I think he was leading the restart. Just after Max had been in the tyre puncture. Yeah, I don't remember, I don't know, because I'm pretty sure, well, didn't he say, like, basically no mistakes, like Bank? Yeah. I think they said Bank what we've got, because I don't think he was coming first, I think he was second. I think he was, yeah, he okay, he was either first or second, but he didn't want to make, like, an error into the first corner or try to take out... No, I think he was behind. Uh, I know I'm talking about not overtaking until the... The point is, yeah, like, you know, just... Yeah. The mindset has shifted into, you know... Yeah, like, it's insurance against Verstappen because he was out. And then Lewis cooks it on the brakes and then just goes into the runoff, so... You know, probably you need an utter... You need, like, an utter calamity for him to... Because there was... I mean, if he does that on lap two, he probably still finishes, like, third. It's just that it happened with so few laps left near the end of the race. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, Lewis leads the championship even with that as well. Sort of a, a massive sort of open goal missed. Yeah, and I feel like there's been a lot of, like, there's been a fair few, I guess, carnage races this season where a lot of the top guys, like, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I imagine Max hasn't finished, you know, at least two or three races. You know, Lewis has made a couple of mistakes. Um you know, very few cars have actually finished, um, you know, every race. So it contributes that a little bit to the to the closeness we're seeing in the title race as well. Yeah, I think Hungary really, uh, the first corner of Hungary really set, like, uh, cars that had had been on that run of finishing, certainly not. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that first lap at Hungary was chaos. It was great. Um. We can talk more about the title race, I guess, when we go through the teams, which we'll do. But um, do you want to move on to sprint qualifying? Yeah. What What are your thoughts on sprint qualifying? I think, obviously, with the, the caveat that you need to see more than one of these. And I think we'll be getting two more. I think it's the Italian and then maybe the Russian Grand Prix also has sprint qualifying. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it disadvantages the like the quote unquote real pole sitter. So you run a whole qualifying session, and then the person that the, you know pole in F one has always been uh, pretty much who is the fastest over one lap. And but then this has been changed with sprint qualifying because you only get set like a grid for a qualifying race. I just feel like that disadvantages that what has traditionally been the pole sitter in F one. And then it just gives it gives whoever's second another another it probably disadvantage at first and gives who's second two chances at it and then just in general it probably probably benefits the faster cars because you're given sort of fifteen to twenty laps of real racing to sort of work out the pecking order anyway yep. so that's yep. sort of like essentially you you could argue that you're just seeing the first twenty laps of a race. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any 
thoughts on it. I think I don't even I don't even think I watched it. To be honest, I think I missed it. <laughs> I forget what the date was, but I'm pretty sure I've I've missed it. Yeah. Or I just totally it, was, it was yeah. On. I mean, it was also from an Australian point of view. It was on at like three a.m. in the morning, which was not ideal. No, that too. Yeah. Never <laughs> Hmm. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm one of those people who, like, not specifically to F1, but just in general, a bit, not traditionalist, but with things like this, I'm not, like, a, a change, for the sake of change, like, I don't really care for it. But yeah, yeah. It, it's it's basically just a mini race to, yeah, I don't know. Well, I understand there's the point of view of, like, F1 themselves where they want to get more sort of meaningful on-track time. So, like, the idea being that they've cut down practice sessions this year. They've they've shaved an hour off Friday, and then you want to... Um, so then you would move traditional qualifying to, to a Friday, and then you would have the sprint qualifying race uh, on a Saturday, and then obviously the Grand Prix on a Sunday. It would put a meaningful event on each day of the Grand Prix weekend. Um yeah. And that's obviously a, a, a pretty uh, – that's a big thing to get people to show up to these events. Um, yeah. But, I mean, yes, purely from, like, sitting at home and watching it, yeah, I, I'm so – again, you need – I think you need to see more of these. And it'll need to get, like, what's a good sprint race going to be like? What's a terrible one going to be like? Um, but I don't think there was really a problem with qualifying, to be honest. We've had some awesome qualifying, uh, particularly Q3 this year. Um, not really a need to change. Yeah, I guess we'll find out when they do a sprint qualifying at Monaco next year. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the calendar. But first of all, let's pull one out for Albert Park. Yeah. You know, Cancelling it, what, like four months ago? Well, I mean, it turned out to be Clairvoyance. But at the time, it looked like a sort of, really? You don't think you can hold a GP in, you know, seven, eight months' time? But now it looks like genius. They saved a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you've got, got written here, uh, China, Canada, Singapore, Japan, Australia, out in big capital letters. Yeah, obviously, about a week after the Olympics concluded in Tokyo, they announced that the Japanese Grand Prix wasn't going ahead, which I know they didn't yeah. want to hold the Olympics in the first place, so it makes sense, but... <laughs> Yeah, I just thought the, the timing was a bit funny more than anything. Um, Especially because they they literally held events at Suzuka. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, granted, there were there were no fans there, but and of course, like you understand why why this is, and obviously, I find it's a bit different logistically and the way that the body works compared to the IOC. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's a shame. I really I really like Suzuka as a racetrack. Um, not to see that. Yeah. Also. A shame about like I, I like Canada as a track, so shame that that's not there. Canada's usually a fun, yeah. Um, yeah, can't I mean, really. I don't think. Bit of a silver lining, we get Tur- we get Turkey back. Yeah. Um, was that track. was Turkey one of the the illegitimate races last year? No. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So one of think, the, was that um, one of the ones Ricardo podiumed at? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Renault now Alpine with. Awesome at races that weren't on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, the, the factories, the design of the cars wouldn't have taken into account. But yeah, there's still two empty slots I think on the calendar. Um, I would assume that we're probably going to get 
those two would just be filled by double races at, at one of the, the remaining yep. Grand Prix. Um, I, I would assume Abu Dhabi probably has another one, just given the sort of how they make up that they have the final race and also that the, their, their circuit has a number of configurations. Maybe they go back to to Bahrain to, for the quote-unquote oval oval track again. That was a fun race last year. Um, um, and then there, there would be potential for maybe a Monza doubleheader. What about or returning to Monza? What about America having a doubleheader? Especially given all the, um, yeah, you know, the the documentary series that shall remain nameless. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Like, I don't think I would, in terms of, um, I don't think I'd be particularly interested in seeing two two races at Austin. But if they could somehow get a race somewhere else in the US, I don't know how realistic that is. Looking like looking so close. Yeah, um, timing wise probably doesn't work for this year. But you know the, the US. But, but apparently... then again, if you if you're going to hold anything at short notice, like the US is probably the place that you can do it. Um, yeah. It would just be a matter of where. Um, I don't. I don't think they want to go back to Indianapolis. No, uh, famously Detroit was a ter- like the drivers taking <laughs> Detroit. There. Obviously, um, the the Miami the Miami race is coming in uh, around yeah. the Dolphin Stadium. Is it from next season onwards? Yeah. Um, obviously, there that, are, there are several. That repla- that's replacing Austin, isn't it, or is that two? I think no, that's an extra one. It'll be called the Miami Grand Prix. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but obviously, there are there are a number of IndyCar road road tracks that that could be used. I guess. Yep. At short notice, but but I would assume it's Vegas. Probably... Like Vegas. Vegas is crying out for F- it's just an F one city. <laughs> Vegas is crying out for everything. Yes, they're, they're slowly they're slowly accumulating sports one by yes. one, like the Infinity Stones. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, like I'm, I would assume that we're just going to get uh, two double headers to, or and I say double headers, just two races at a circuit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to to round out the calendar, it just it just it makes the most sense. And there are a couple of tracks on the calendar that have different layouts, so maybe they try that. Maybe they just go with the the different uh, tires for each weekend, like they do in Austria over the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, somewhat surprising to me that they didn't do a double at Silverstone. I think if you if you were going like similar to last season, if you were going to do two races at another at a track other than Austria. Probably Britain, but yeah. Especially as well, if they were going to do the sprint qualifying, it would have made sense to do it on one of those weekends and then have the traditional. Yeah, and then, yeah, then just have a normal weekend. Oh well, maybe there's reasons, and that's why we're sitting here in our bedrooms and not (laughs) not brokering deals for the F1. (laughs) No, we're not in Monaco, wherever we're headquartered. Um, (laughs) Do you want to move on to your final all caps point? Where, where is the where is the summer news? Where is the where, where is the season? summer news? Where is God the signings? Imagine <laughs> if imagine if NBA free agency opened and there was nothing. Woj was just sitting there. There's like tumbleweeds. There was no no deal. <laughs> that's that's what happened. Yeah, in NBA free agency, Woj goes to bed at a normal hour. <laughs> goes to, goes to bed at know. eleven, wakes up at seven, and nothing's happened. <laughs> I don't know if this is just the consequence of like 
the rest of the grid is waiting for Mercedes to announce who their second driver is going to be, and then that'll set it off like dominoes. Because yeah. usually that's what happens in F1. And typically yeah. we would have definitely had some sort of confirmation of uh, a new driver moving or... Yeah. Um, Just please, anything. <laughs> well, we got confirmation that Alonso will be returning next year, but that was a, a driver option. So it's not... Uh, you know, I think it was becoming pretty evident that he was going to do that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, maybe whether it's Bottas or Russell who who fills that gap, leaving potentially a open seat at Williams, will then sort of cast the dominoes. Yeah. Well, this um, leads into the 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 only, and I think certain podcast topics get more interest from the the punters than others in terms of questions. So we only got the one question from friend of the show, Mark, who said, oh, I, I usually open up for questions and then just general insults as well, if that so pleases the populace. <laughs> uh, so you first of all, he, of he said, yeah, first of all, he said, you stink. So thanks. Um, and then he also said, do we get news of the next Mercedes driver ahead of Spa? Uh, no, <laughs> clearly not. Oh, we might. <laughs> yeah, we waited like, as long as we possible. We deliberately <laughs> delayed this recording as long as possible to give like any of the concerned parties a chance to announce anything and they've let us any down. Danger. So watch them announce it like the second we stop, like we hit stop on this. Yeah. I, I really can't believe that this, the deal for Russell to drive at Mercedes next year isn't done and that it's waiting to announce because it just seems so obvious. Yes. Uh, I mean, it has to me for a couple of years now, but like, yeah, surely. Nah, mate, Lando's going to Mercedes, Russell's going to uh, McLaren. But at least that would be something. <laughs> Actually, that, that, would be, that would be much bigger fireworks and explosions than... Oh, it would, absolutely. That'd be great. I'd love it. Because I guess, as much as I'm saying, where is the news, if it was, Rus- if it was Russell replacing Bottas at Mercedes, I'd be like, okay, well, we knew that was going to happen. Show me something that I, w- that I can get excited and caught off guard about. Yeah, yeah. It's like, or like even you know, moving away from Mercedes, you know, what's happening with uh, Alpha, uh, Alpha Romeo? Sorry. Um, well, I yeah, guess. that probably would have been. Yeah, my second yeah. guess would have been that maybe Kimi announces his retirement over the break, and then. But hey, that said, that is entirely not Kimi Raikkonen. Like he's going to retire after the last race of the season, just saying yes, I'm done, and then never show up at a Grand Prix again. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll, he'll only rock up to um, was it Monaco where he ate on, ice cream on the yacht? Or was that Malaysia? Where was that? It was Monaco where he famously DNF'd and then he didn't even take his helmet off and he just walked yeah, up to his he just yacht. Went straight to his yacht. Yeah, <laughs> his own yacht as well. May I add? Oh, I'm pretty sure it was his yacht. But yeah, that Not that would point. be. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, he famously said, what is it, last year or maybe the beginning of this year, oh, that just F1's hobby. Just, a, just a hobby for him, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure we're going to get much of a much of a fanfare over his retirement. So, some of us might as, take like, up a, yeah, they might take up a social sport, maybe, you know, you know painting, <laughs> um, might, might join a, you know, might join a, a card society or a gym, but nah, <laughs> driving 300 kilometres an hour. In the absolute top flight elite. Hmm. All right. Team by team? 
Team by team. All right. Uh, well, we've done a lot of Mercedes chat already, but we'll, we'll keep going with them. Um, yeah, Mercedes, for, for once, not the best car in the hybrid era. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of silver lining for them that it is the last year of these sort of regulations, so we'll see what happen, what the pecking order is uh, when, the, when the new cars hit the track next season. Um, but, yeah, I guess it is... I would say it is somewhat surprising, given that you just don't bet against Mercedes. We've learnt that over the last decade. But, it, like I said, it is somewhat surprising that the, the hype of, of pre-season Red Bull and what Mercedes were saying as well, that, oh, we may not have the best car, um, and underselling themselves as usual, has actually actually come to fruition there. <laughs> yeah, it's just... And, look, I, I, I alluded to it earlier... Um, but it always comes up every year. You know, the Mercedes car doesn't do well driving, like, in dirty air. It's a front-running car, et cetera, et cetera. It just so happens that for years gone past, it didn't, like, they would never in dirty air. But this year they've kind of found themselves being dragged back a little bit. Yeah. It's been more evident. Um, yeah. It's it's still to the point where it's like, oh, they're still, like, it's, it's, it's either like at best one A or one B, so it's not even a question of like yeah they've fallen behind to like you know they're scrapping for I don't know third with Ferrari and McLaren and you know whatever they're still yeah. comfortably a, a championship level car and and that's the thing as well like the season to season changes like the the, the FIA have tried to take away like Mercedes advantages like they can't use the dual access steering anymore. And, there was the stuff about the high rate cars and and whatnot. The changes to essentially bring the grid closer to closer to Mercedes, um, oh. and they're still up there. Um, how many? They've won what five races this year? Four races this year? Yeah, Lewis yeah, has won four. Four. Yep. And then yeah, the, you know the podium did basically every race. So yes, they're still up there. Um, not quite the dominance as usual. Like I was saying with Lewis earlier, it's so hard to deny him. <laughs> like, you, you need just out-and-out out disaster plus another to to get rid of him off the podium. Um, Bottas, not so much. And like you said, I think showing that sort of vulnerability of the Mercedes in dirty air, um, it's it's not a car designed to follow. And when you're the front runner, you, you don't need to design a car to follow. No. Um... I want to ask you this. Do you think this season is also, is it, uh, is it Mercedes faltering or is it really just Red Bull excelling? Uh, I think it's a, probably a bit of both, right? Like, uh, the, like I said, just with the rules sort of disadvantaging Mercedes somewhat and then Red Bull finally getting it together with, with the engine, sort of a couple of years of Honda development. Um, yeah, like most things, shades are great. Uh, but, but I would say those. I don't think it's necessarily Mercedes faltering. They put so much money into this program that it, I don't think it's ever going to falter. Um, yep. Yes, you know, like we've seen with like Ferrari and McLaren, like you can put in a lot of money and, and not go to plan. But just that that hasn't been the way this Mercedes outfit has operated um, since they re-entered F1 a decade ago. Yeah, it was more, I guess, just like, you know, the relative improvement of Red Bull making it a competition yeah. again and then, you know, the perception. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, 
Well, that, that, that's they're still leading. Yeah. They're still leading the drivers and constructors. So, I mean, it's closer for once, and Red Bull actually have more race wins. Um, yeah, I would say this is Red Bull are much more of a material threat than Ferrari were, just given that they probably they don't have the strategic vulnerabilities of uh, Maranello, um, and also the <laughs> uh, illegal, not illegal Ferrari car. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, this this Red Bull resurgence seems much more material than that. Yeah. Um, and look, we we just talked about it five minutes ago. But Bottas, like, what's what's doing, mate? He just like there's a lot of talk when he does well, like oh, you know, this is the Valtteri, you know, Valtteri two point But when he's not so, on it, to, he's to all my haters. It. Yeah. I mean, that was, I felt that was a bit rich. Like, obviously, the, he's got, like, handed, handed a win, didn't he? Um, but, yeah, it's just... I don't know. He seems to either... He'll be up there and cruise to an easy third, or he'll be nowhere. And, I mean, that's not necessarily a knock. You need someone to, to bank points in, in that role. The, the second driver at one of the top teams. But it's... I don't know. I think Mercedes are just silly to to deny Russell any longer for, for their own sake as well. Now they're now they're in a legitimate title fight. They need someone to a be the rear gunner for Lewis, and then b be punchy enough to to push Lewis along. Because yep. Valtteri is very good in qualifying, but he's not there in the race to, for those strategic. Decisions like more often than not, it seems like, and it seems that it's happening less and less. Like certainly, a season past, he's been much closer, and when it's been on oh, the title fight in inverted commas is between Lewis and, and Valtteri. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. that the time's probably run on this. He's been a good servant for them. He's you know they've won the constructors. He's done his job, um, but I think it's probably time to move on. Yeah, but it's also, like, with Valtteri and the whole second driver points thing, I feel like none of the second drivers this year have really done that. And it's kind of a reason why, I guess, the title race is um, so tight, because you even, like, constructors anyway. Because uh, yeah. you look at guys like Lando, and look, we'll get to the other guys in a second, but Lando Norris being third, I think, is a symptom of that. Like, you know, the Bottas's, the Perez's, while still, you know, being up there, probably yeah. haven't had the seasons that the teams would have wanted them to. And, like, specifically by tasking this, but we'll get to Perez next. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, the, like, that's yeah, the whole better. point of, like, you know, you, you'll get to, like, a one and three, and then, like, one guy will hold. The other guy can catch up, especially if it's Bottas leading um, or, you know, towing another guy. But, yeah, off, more often than yeah. not, it's they're, they're on islands. So, yeah, there's no real strategic benefit. I think that's also a symptom of the teams they're at. Very first driver dominated, alpha dominated. Like Mercedes is Lewis's team and Red Bull is Max's team. Yeah, it's that would be my one uh, reservation about pushing George Russell up is that this this guy has been touted as a future world champion, yet you know he race against the seven time world champion in his team. You know, you basically you almost have to do his bidding. Um, that would be a tough test. Um, but so, I mean, so I, I don't think, to be honest, like if if we stop this now and it comes up on on Twitter that George is replacing 
Bottas for the rest of the season. I don't think Mercedes necessarily lose much, as, and not as I don't think it'd be as much of a risk in terms of I think they could potentially gain more from that. Well, yeah, and you know he had the taste last year. Probably should have, not probably, definitely should have won that race. Um, and completely pulled Bottas's pants down doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 they don't lose anything. No, you're right. It's, it's. I don't know. I guess the, the way I'm thinking about it is that Bottas has earned the right to be pushed at the end of the season and not now. Yeah, that's that's fair. And like I said, he's been a custodian of the team, right? He's he hasn't. They've won the title every year he's been there, so he's earned that. And that there's, you know, that's why there's there's no um, you know, like I said. He's at the right for that. Hmm. Well, well, if Bottas was to leave, where does he go then? Williams? Just a swap? <laughs> I mean, that would that would be the natural... Well, back to Williams. Um, he's very yeah. good at Williams when the last time Williams were competitive. Yeah. Um, Bottas becomes interesting if once you say, OK, he's not in the Mercedes seat, where does he go? Because as much as, like, you know, we rag on him in a Mercedes... I think a lot of the midfield teams would jump to have a driver that consistent. Um, it's tough, given sort of seats that are locked down and allegiances that are there, to say mm. anywhere other than that Williams seat. I mean, ideally, if um, Aston Martin wasn't owned by a certain father, that would be, <laughs> a, a, that would be a pretty awesome team of Vettel and Bottas. Um, yep. Very consistent. Um I mean, yeah, it's, that's the problem. It, I said, when Vettel was going to leave Ferrari, it was a very similar thing. It's like there, there are very few seats to, that you can... Well, there are very few seats in F1 in total, but there are very few seats that you can sort of thread lines that, okay, maybe this happens. Um, yeah. I would assume, though, that Bottas stays in, this, in, in F1. Um, you, don't, you don't go from, from that to out completely. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, the, the the sport manufactured that seat for Perez, so you'd imagine, you know, someone somewhere would, yes. you know, it, it, unless it's a point, I don't, I don't know the guy personally, um, unless it's a point of pride, but then he's, you know, I'm not going to go to, like, for argument's sake, Kimi retires, yeah. and then instead of like they promote one of their junior guys, they just go all out for Bottas, and they just go, oh, I'm too good for the Alfa Romeo. What, what's this? So. Yeah. Could be like that, because it's a very ego-driven I mean, yeah. sport. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's probably not... He has said previously that, like, after title fights and spats within Mercedes, he, he did consider giving it up. So maybe when he's not driving for Mercedes, he's, he's gone completely. Um, I think that that would... Like, just to clarify, I think that would be different to what I said before. Like, I don't think... This, if he's willing to drive, I think there's a spot for him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, that probably is a possibility as well. I mean, it was it was a shock when Rosberg went out on top. Um, I think it would still be quite a shock if, if Bottas retired, um, or quite quite retired from F one. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's not. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's thirty one, thirty two in two days. <laughs> oh, well, the, the sport is was Alonso has re-signed for next year. It's. The, the drivers are driving longer and longer into their forties. Yeah. So all right, 
he's a young man in terms of F1. Yeah, he is nowadays, yeah. I think Kimi's probably changed that. Um, anything else on Mercedes? Any last words? <laughs> Are we putting them to rest? No, there's not much else to say about Mercedes. Yeah. Well, you just take, you mean, take yes. an audible gulp of water and then we'll move on to Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, Red Bull, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the pre-season chatter was, you know, Teddy's downplaying themselves and, you know, Red Bull getting all the attention. All that was put down to, you know, just like media buzz, you know, hyping up a new season, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, it's probably true. Yeah, I mean, each F1 season, there's a lot of smoke. Um, Not really, pre-season testing is very hard to... See what is what's real and what's not, and especially and this year, cut so. half. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, li- I like that you got that in there. Nice. Thank, thank I you. wonder where you read that. <laughs> um, Don't yeah. know. So yeah, it is interesting to see how it materialise. Um, and I mean, at, at certain circuits, Max has been in the distance from the Mercedes. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, it's. This <clears throat> excuse me. This is the season, I guess, that Max has probably had the culmination of his natural talent. You know, the car being good enough to challenge consistently, and probably the right teammate for him. Yeah, where like everything has gone to his plan. Because if you look early in Max's career, you know, his first team at Rebel was Ricardo, right? So, you know, he went into that team as number two. However long it lasted is anyone's guess. Probably about one race before he took over. Um, you <laughs> they know, won the first race. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, taking over from Ricardo, yeah, that car was probably more suited to Ricardo with all the feedback he was giving, and still only a young child. So then you have this dominant personality as your teammate, and probably not as good a car as he's got now. And then you give him, you know, someone like Albon. And I don't know how effective Max is by pressure, but I think internally he would have known that he was like responsible for 80% of, you know, Red Bull's success and points and, you know, any chance of comp- they're competing last year. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like this year, you give him the consistent teammate, the good car. Um, he's been in the sport at what, like six, seven seasons now. So yeah, it's this, this is, the, it's the summer of Max. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all coming together. I think he's got the he has that sort of something that sets him apart from even the like in the sort of lowest tier. Um apart from the good F one drivers. He's got that sort of aggression, management of the tires, uh that sort of special just pull a tenth out of nowhere. Like, he, he's got that, and now he's finally got the car to, to show that in. And, I mean, yeah, if the no puncture in Azerbaijan, uh, Lewis doesn't hit him in in the, the British Grand Prix, and he's probably leading this. Um, oh, he was involved in the Hungary um, yep. fracas as well. So, yeah, very unfortunate not to be leading uh this title race, and by a fair bit, to be honest. Um, yeah, well, the, the, Max's. I think Max's season has been symptomatic of the season in general, just been a lot of unpredictability, a lot more closeness in the field, and then yeah, a lot of, um, 
not not a lot of crashes and you know big pileups and DNFs and all that, but you know a lot of first lap incidents where the leaders can't escape, so that you've got these these jumbled up leaderboards and top tens and you know a, a very like a close top five and then you know a really really good midfield scrap as well. Yeah, like Max has the most race wins he, this season. Yeah, I mean he was on that stretch where he'd won what three in a row. Uh, he don't. I think he's only finished up until Hungary. He'd only finished in the top two. Yeah, right. Um, like w- when he'd finished a race, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought. Yeah, Max has had a bit of boom or bust. I mean, a lot of boom, but a couple of busts. I'm not even sure uh, a lot of the busters is fault. Any of the nah, busts is not. fault. I'm trying if to think. He, the, the puncture probably not. No, that's like there was no way. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely not. <laughs> um, like the Red Bull were ready to throw hands with Pirelli for that. That was <laughs> yeah. And then obviously yeah. at uh, the British Grand Prix, sending emails to uh, Michael Massey, the race director. Red Bull not happy about that. And then what, what was that again? Yeah, involved in the. Uh, with Lewis uh, trying to the the first sort of half lap of Silverstone was a incredible and then b where Lewis and Max came together oh, and yeah, then yeah. Red, yep. Red Bull and all the fans <laughs> got wild yeah um, and then <laughs> the Hungary incident caused by Bottas none other than Bottas <laughs> taking out both both Red Bulls yep. um, so there's, there's a very real scenario where you know a couple of things break the other way. And, of course, things are always like this. But a couple of things break the other way, and then Max is like probably one, six ahead. or seven races. Yeah. And he's like a, he's probably only finished first and second in, like, every race this season. And, yeah, he's considerably ahead of Hamilton. And the view of Mercedes is probably different, and the view of Red Bull is obviously much higher. Um, yep. But, like, yeah, I think it like that, I think... I still think Max is, is probably the favourite, slightly ahead of Lewis to, to take the title this year, just given the, the form. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, he's been more consistent. I think the car's probably been... Yeah, it, yeah. Better, better car, Max is more aggressive versus Lewis, who's been there before the experience and is just, as I've said like three times now, it's just so hard to deny him. Like getting results. Yeah. Uh, is there pressure on Sergio Perez? Well, if you ask Helmut Marco, there's. But I mean, to be honest, uh, I you know shouldn't be. He's won a race. He's won a race this season. <laughs> yeah. So Perez has 104 points, including that one race win and uh, two podiums. 104 points through, uh, you know, whatever. 11. Races, eleven races. Alex Albon yeah. had one hundred and five points all of last year. Yeah, I mean, undeniable upgrade. I think. I think it's it's more as well. Like obviously the car is a bit better now, and and you see, yep. I think internally as well. You, when you see Max dominate like this, you just expect the other car to be out there, and if it's not, there seems to be questions asked. Yeah. Whereas Sergio's coming into this setup. Um, like I said, the car has been built around Max. Um, we've seen that with a lot of the drivers that have changed teams this season. You know, it's taken a bit of bit more time to adapt. 
um, they, they describe it as, as like changing formulas, like Formula 2, Formula 3, like going to a different formula of car in terms of adapting. Um, yep. But, I mean, yeah, Sergio has pretty, had pretty solid results. Like like you said, it's 104 points, but that was his mark after Austria. He hasn't actually scored in the last two races. So, like, there is some sort of, you know, a, a reservation there somewhat that, like, you know, if, again, fates change a little bit and he scores, then he, he might be sitting third. And then there's probably not a problem internally at Red Bull thinking about replacing him. <laughs> Uh, surely a lot of this is media smoke, though. I would, and Helmut Marco is very sort of upfront, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would yeah. understand somewhat maybe the the argument that you want to get a, another Red Bull Junior in there, but we've seen previously how there have been some like difficulties finding another one of those. Like they've yep. they've burned through their drivers, science, <laughs> Gasly. Albon, uh, and then drivers that haven't even made it into that seat, they're sort of burning through as well. Bring back, bring back Kvyat. (laughs) You know, I, I thought you were going to say Brendan Hartley. I'm honestly, I was, and then I thought of Kvyat. You also like Kvyat. (laughs) But yeah, those two have made it to to Arosso, but even like they, they had Tickton at one point. Um, Other names escaped me. Um. But yeah, they've got a Liam Lawson now currently in F2. He's in their program. Maybe he's won a couple of seasons' time to look at. But yeah, I think they're getting they're getting pretty solid production, and that's what you expect from Sergio Perez. Really, he's certainly relatively he's doing better than Bottas, even though he's four points behind it. Yeah, and I, like when you have a championship threat like Max, you want the second driver for, from a constructor's perspective to, like we keep saying to score the, the points to, you know, to, like to not make mistakes and to, to keep the scoreboard ticking over, to use a cliche. Um, yeah. Do, do you really, like, you know, Albon could do that to a certain degree, but then he'd really only be getting, you know, like sevens and eights. Um, well, yeah, know. the problem with Albon is that he'd be, yeah, like, like I said, he'd be climbing through the field looking fantastic, but it would be to finish in the position where he should have started. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's any pressure. Well, there shouldn't be any pressure on Perez, but it's Formula One, so there probably is. Uh, Ferrari. It's good to see them back. But um, yeah, they're back after after uh, their quick quick resurgence from illegal slash not illegal. You know, uh, who knows? FIA settlement. <laughs> I mean, they definitely cheated, but I don't think the FIA, the FIA realised the importance of Ferrari to Formula One that they can't throw them under the bus. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of put to bed quietly. Mm. Ferrari had a bad season, and now they look to be developing right with uh, what they would have, what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, um, so let's say, for, for in theory, uh, it, it was Haas that did, that did what Ferrari did. <laughs> Yeah, leave that up to the imagination. <laughs> Looked like a bunch of wankers. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, so pretty disappointing year last year, but I think the one thing we thought going into this season, um, if anyone could get points and performance out of a hunk of shit, it would be Charles Leclerc. <laughs> and that's He's what's happened. Yep. 
And he's I mean, only surprisingly. Eight. Oh, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm looking at last year's ladder still. Um, yeah, oh, <laughs> he's, he's, only, he's only eighth with 98 points. Well, that's a lot. I mean, uh, he's, he's one up. He's seventh. He's seventh, yeah, with 80 points already. But, um... <sighs> Actually, science has got more out of that hunk of shit than than Leclerc has from a purely points and <laughs> podiums perspective. I mean, th- there is a bit of an asterisk there, um, and and yes, mate, Charles made a couple of mistakes this year, um, but yeah, I mean, he was basically horribly denied what likely would have been a win at Mon- home win at Monaco, um, and again. Sliding doors are a bit, but like I keep saying, but you had those 25 points to his title, and he's ahead of Perez. But you also take some off Perez, you know, goes down the order. Oh, cool. yeah, of course. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, he deliberately crashed it, mate, to stop the session. Everyone knows that. Oh. Well, at least, you know, <laughs> he did it the next weekend, too. Oh, well, it happened the same <laughs> the next weekend as well. Uh, with it, that was one of the handiest polls you'll ever see. Is his poll at Baku using the slipstream to just get like put his car where it shouldn't be? <laughs> but yeah, it's been a pretty good season for him. I mean, just what you expect, to be honest. Um, I, I really hope out of the regulations that he's given a car, or you know, out of however long he's with Ferrari, probably a very long time, that he gets a car that is capable of fighting whoever's at the top because this guy is unreal and, like, he deserves to be at the front, just talent-based. Like, I really want to see him and Norris and Russell fight for a title because that would be really exciting. Um, And those are the guys sort of trending that way. Uh but yeah, I guess there's not much else to say on Charles, really. No, there, uh, look, even Ferrari is in general, which is more surprising, but there's not much. Really well, I, like the it. thing I would say of, of science is that he's he's probably been the best uh, new driver at a team this season. Oh, I, granted, Perez has won a race, uh, but science is two podiums in a Ferrari that you know it's it's third slash fourth quickest car. Um, and, you know, he's beating his teammate. He's the only new driver to be doing that. Um, impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone knew the quality of driver science was, uh, you know, the, the step up in expectation more than anything. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he's handled that quite well. He's got, yeah, the two It's podiums. such a good line-up as well. Science and Leclerc, like, hopefully it works because th- that could be their driver lineup for the next five years. Like, yeah. Hmm. There's no need, you know, there's, there shouldn't be a reason to change. And I think, you know, they're pretty agreeable personalities professionally. Like, there shouldn't be a reason to change at Ferrari um, moving forward. Yeah. They look pretty good. You know, they're right in the fight with McLaren for third, um, where they were hoping to be. Um, so, yeah, they've only really had one, one bad race this season. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were really bad at Port Ricard, just falling backwards after decent qualifying, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but, uh, in, but, fairness, but Ricard, in fairness, Port Ricard sucks. Yeah, Port Ricard shouldn't be on the, on the, on the calendar, but yeah, <laughs> I digress. 
So yeah, we don't need your Scalectrics looking bloody track. <laughs> I mean, Get anything else. Let's run on a NASCAR oval before we get back to <laughs> poor Ricard. Let's just do a drag race. <laughs> uh, speaking of agreeable personalities and McLaren, uh, McLaren. McLaren. Coming, yeah, McLaren. You know, fourth, or tied for third, sorry, Drivers' Championship, 163 with Ferrari. Both have three podiums. Uh, Ferrari more of a team effort, but McLaren just being absolutely... You know, carried uh, <laughs> by by Lando Norris, who is in third with 113 of those 163. But more shockingly, only the three podiums. Whereas you look at Bottas, who's five points behind him, has six podiums. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just seems like Lando is always finishing like third, fourth, or fifth, like every single race. Yeah, I think he's finished there every single race, other than like two. One he didn't finish and. One, he was struggling tyres. Um, but, like, this is a ridiculous performance. It's like, pound for pound is probably the best performance at F1 this year, or at least uh, is very arguable with Max and the Red Bull. I mean, it's... I mean, it's completely unexpected, to be honest. Like, we, we know Lando's a good driver, but this is elite. Like, hmm. completely... Like, unexpected as well as the... Maybe where we... I'm not sure even if the McLaren's as good as we thought it might be. But, jeez, you know, he's dragging it up there. Yeah, and then you look across the garage and Ricardo, you know, part of the you know, new team, obviously, but, you know, still struggling somewhat with the machinery. And obviously the car, like Lando's been in the car for, what, three years now? You know, much yep. more comfortable, used to it, knows the team, knows the car, etc. Uh But, yeah, I think, in general, the McLaren... You know, if you were to just put it on like a, a power rankings or a form thing, like just machinery for machinery, probably like fourth. You'd say the Ferrari's probably a better car this year, but um, you know, you know Lando, just yeah. doing Lando. Yeah, it's the the qualifying. It's been superb. He's got an average qualifying position of four and a half, of which means that he's always the third the third best car on the grid. Regard, you know, rain, hail, or shine. Um, pretty. Ah, oh, sorry. His qualifying is sixth, so he's in the top three, and then his finishing is four and a half. So he's routinely the third best car on the grid. Yep. You know, uh, and what, what? I read an article the other day. Um, <laughs> what, what? What's the uh, average di- difference between the two McLaren drivers? Uh, so over the whole season, it's three and a third tenths. But um, if you extrapolate that from Monaco, it's actually over half a second, which is just... And that's, I mean, that's, that's qualifying or race yeah, pace? That's qualifying. Um, race pace, I don't buy into as much, given sort of the way that F1 cars are constructed and the way the blue flags are, given that it is, like, like we've talked about, it's hard to follow, which makes you know clean air is so much easier to drive than the dirty air. But yeah, it's been... I mean, not say not uh, Norris has just dominated Ricardo, to be honest. But I think what it's been is that Norris has completely out outperformed expectations, whilst Daniel has fallen short, and that and that therein lies the gap. It hasn't been you know Norris is doing what the car is giving, 
and then Daniel is just completely not capable of them. I think it's yeah, a bit a bit of both sides. Yeah. Um, but you know, Ricardo, I think has openly admitted his driving style doesn't suit the McLaren, and they're trying to make some concessions. Yeah, I think. Well, he said that he talked to Carlos Sainz and said that you didn't tell me that this McLaren is like completely different to drive. Um, yeah, apparently it's just not really agreeable with the way that he's. Oh well, yeah, because if anyone if anyone well. knows, yeah, if anyone knows the path that Rick's taking, it's it's Carlos, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Are you can um, telling how the Red Bull compares to the Renault compares to the yes to the McLaren? Yeah. So when Ricardo's and a Ferrari in two years, um... <laughs> obviously, yeah, Daniel's been using a Renault engine for like the last seven or eight seasons, so obviously that plays into it. And he's been at teams where he's been able to have a the major the major voiceover, the the machinery, particularly like the aero and and whatever. Now he's coming into this car, like you said, that Lando was basically built from the ground up. Um, and it's, it's catered towards him. I think there's no surprise that there is somewhat of a different difference between them, um, albeit it is quite large. And frankly, you know, Daniel hasn't been, hasn't been good enough in that area. Um, and obviously, he knows that. And he, you know, he, it's not it's not for a lack of effort. Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't realise how much of a full time job driving an F1 car is. It's not just the Sundays or even the Saturday qualifying and Friday practice. It's it's every single day at the factory. Um, but yeah, I, Daniel is too good of a driver, and frankly, his his season has been pretty solid anyway. Um, you know, yes, he's, he's struggled in, in qualifying, and, and that has probably taken ten to fifteen points off of his total. But I don't, I don't think there's particularly a lot to be worried about. You know, you, you bring in a driver of this caliber for a reason, and. We saw it at Renault the first year he was there. wasn't quite attuned with it, but then last year, second season with Renault, it was unbelievable. Fifth in, the, a, fifth in the standings. Yeah. There's a there's an alternative universe where Ricardo is coming off a race win at Hungary. Well, yeah. I think, um, unfortunate spin, and then it's very likely that he, can, he comes out ahead of Ocon. And, yeah, I think that Obviously, he wouldn't have had the damage, so he would have been a bit better about around Hungary. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe, who knows? Um, maybe there's an alternate universe where they don't call back George Russell for that <laughs> massive infringement of overtaking everyone in the pit lane, and then the Williams goes on to win. But yeah, um, <laughs> well, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that again. It was. Blatant. I didn't notice it at the time watching the race, how bad it was. He just, all the cars are lined up in the pit lane, and then George just drives up beside all of them and overtakes into the lead. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> those, are the, those are the risks you've got to take when you're in a Williams. Uh, speaking of Ocon, he won a race. What the hell? He won a race. Yeah. Like, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> Especially oh. given that. Alpine slash Renault have probably gotten worse, given that we're driving on the tracks that we're supposed to be driving on this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like they've had a solid season, but you know, I think yeah, they've taken us. I mean, I saw uh, earlier today that Ocon is only three points up on the same point last year, and he literally just won a race. He got twenty five. 
at the last race. <laughs> like he he down significantly on last season if you take away that race win. Um yeah. which I mean, as good of a driver it was, it was extremely fortuitous. Um yeah. <laughs> even to keep Vettel off. Um so yeah, I think Alpine they knew they were in for a bit of pain this year, looking towards regulations next year. Obviously they've got a huge budget as well. Probably probably the worst spent budget in F one, but um I mean, yeah, he's, he's there for the long haul. So, yeah. uh, and you've also noted that Alonso is comfortably winning this fight until, and I assume the until is just the, the ass backwards 25 pointer. <laughs> yes, until Ocon won a race. Um, Alonso, it looked sort of worrying at the beginning of the season because he obviously was getting used to the car, getting used to, to racing F1 again. Um, he'd previously just been driving the Le Mans cars by himself, basically uncontested in the Toyotas. Um, but yeah, like since since that restart at Baku, he has been incredible. Yeah, that restart at Baku where he was like tenth, and then suddenly he was fifth. Yeah. Um, he scored points at every race. Really good at Hungary. Had an awesome fight with Lewis. Been waiting like a, de- a decade more for that. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, like I wrote in the notes, I, I think without that race win from Ocon, I think it's very comfortably Alonso's fight. Um, and maybe there are more questions over Ocon, because he's only one point down um, yep. before that 25-pointer. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's always sorry. one statistical yeah. anomaly <laughs> every season. Uh, do you want to spend any more time talking about Alpine? There's not, yeah, not really much. I don't like, know, you know, we another, mentioned I mean, earlier... Our mate Cyril is gone. <laughs> mentioned earlier, Alonso took up the option. He's back next season. Then, yeah, Ocon's probably there as well. So, yeah, yeah. just a, a, they're there. You know, no further questions, Your Honour. Um, <laughs> another team that's annoyingly thereabouts is Alpha Tauri. Yep. Annoyingly <laughs> thereabouts in... Gasly is, is doing it. He's doing an Alonso as well. He's dragging that up. Um, he's qualified in the top six at eight out of 11 races. And then he's made Q3 at 10 out of 11. He is <laughs> incredible in, in this car. That uh, it sort of begs the question of where to from here. Because, you know, Alpha <laughs> Tori probably isn't ever going to become the leading car in F1. They're probably never going to overtake Red Bull, so they probably won't ever be higher than maybe the fourth or third best car in F1. Yeah. What does he do from here? He's already been in the Red Bull seat once. It didn't really work, although I think he got given a very short leash compared to those that came after and those that have come before. Um, now that Alpine... He's two more spells in Red Bull, like Kvyat. <laughs> Like if yet, well, now that Alonso has the the Alpine seat for at least another year, um, that sort of obvious um, sort of link is gone. Um, I guess he I just guess... has to bide his time, dominate the Alpha. Is there a is there a universe where he goes to Williams if Russell goes to Mercedes? I get yeah, I guess there's that. Um, 
I think names that have been bounced around are like Nico Hulkenberg and like Van Dorn, which are for, interesting. Uh, yeah, for Williams. For the Williams seat. Yeah. Um, two guys which probably should be on the grid, to be honest, uh, if it was yep. completely merited. And again, I've been saying this for a long time, but F1 needs another team just solely for the two uh, for the two seats. Because um, <laughs> there, there are... There was a long time where there there weren't enough F1 caliber drivers, but now we're in an era where there are there are too many F1 caliber drivers that can't all be in F1. Well, are we sure there's um, too many caliber drivers, or it's just you know some of the non-calibers are here and some of the ones that are just well, deserving? Yeah. There are the politics of the seats as well. Granted, yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, you could probably come up with a with a thirty driver grid from the best drivers in the world, and it and it would look really solid. Um, but it wouldn't have one F1 of them. Is, <laughs> obviously, F1 is um, never never going to do that, but certainly they could fill out 22 to 24 seats very, very solidly. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I'm constantly surprised whenever I watch qualifying and I notice Gasly up there, like, oh, wow. Because like, I, I don't think of this car as, you know, they had a solid testing apparently, but then, yeah, you watch them early yeah. in the season. You're not watching this car thinking, you know, that's that's a, a third or fourth place car. It's like, it's solidly like six or seventh, like in the midfield. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's probably not the season they wanted to have after they, like they did so well last year. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is, you know, that, um, you know, they lost, well, sorry, they, they, they brought in a rookie, you know, Sonoda, who's done good things, done some pretty terrible things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of a, it's, it's it's not a step back think, like Alpine have had. It's it's more of a step sideways. Yeah, and I think that's like I was saying before. That's probably what AlphaTauri is always going to be. Like, realistically, they're not in the sport to to win the titles, are they? Like, ever? They're, <laughs> yeah. they're a B team. Like, it's just sort of the realities of that. And they're a feeder team, and whoever does well there will get promoted to the Red Bull. See, like that's just the realities of it. Whilst they're under this branding, um, a thing I'll probably note about how Gasly's gone under the radar is probably that he qualifies so high but does fall back on a Sunday, and that is similar to like Russell at Williams, whether you know he's just got it so figured out in qualifying trim. Um, Gasly does, and I think that's indicative of a of a driver that's probably better than his machinery, um, yeah. just dragging it up there. Um, but you know, like Gasly. Still grab that podium in, in Baku, uh, fifth in the fastest lap in Hungary. Really solid results regardless. Um, but yeah, like you touched on with Sonoda, started really well, uh, ninth on debut in Bahrain, and then just hasn't really, he's made a lot of mistakes, which you want rookies to make mistakes. Um, so apparently there was some, some issues with, he didn't want to move closer to the factory, but then he did that, so then he was going to put more work in. Um, we'll just have to see. He's a supremely talented driver. Um, it doesn't look great, uh, the comparison, particularly in like qualifying, um, him and Gasly. But again, he, he is a rookie, and you know, he finished sixth in Hungary, so we'll see what he does in the second half of the season. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, you say Sonoda's been disappointing, but he's still on equal points this year with uh, Lance Stroll. So, <laughs> so we'll go to Aston Martin now. Um, yeah, they've had a 
a disappointing season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think it's... Is it going to take a while for the money to kick in? Like, they've said that they're going to spend all this money and they're going to, you know, build factories and you know, add people to the to the factory. Is it just going to take a season for them to get it all sort of up and running? And are they just targeting the, the next year's regulations? I think that's a... Um, you know, a, a reasonable take on that. Um, still, probably not the best debut for the the Aston Martin branding. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would have. I, I look at this team and I think, you know, they probably should be above the Alpines and uh, above, you know, at least both of them above, uh, you know, at least Yuki Sonoda. Yeah, and well, I mean, this is a team that traditionally has, before they sort of came into all this money, have spent money so smartly and made their dollar go so far um, to, you know, they've been the most efficient team dollar-wise in F1 for so long. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it doesn't, on paper it doesn't necessarily look so bad because they're sort of they're really being car- carried by Vettel, um, who should have should have two podiums, um, getting disqualified for the fuel sort of regulation Um at the Hungara ring. But yeah, he had a really solid result in Monaco. Second at Baku. Um, yeah, sort of re- resurgence for him after some pretty bleak stuff at Ferrari. Um, did you want to talk about the second point you've written regarding Aston Martin? <laughs> what is the second point I've written? I can't even... Um... Stro- stroll just oh. generally... <laughs> <laughs> Stroll just generally I mean, I, being shit again, and then in brackets, daddy in trouble. <laughs> well, yes, because um, Lawrence Stroll and Toto Wolff are in strife with a, a Euro European Union regulatory body for insider trading. Well, we'll see how serious that is, but I mean, there's the potential that Daddy Stroll and um, Daddy Mercedes could go to jail. Um, I'm sure that won't happen. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, also, the, I'm not. There's a site I use to see the teammate comparisons in qualifying, and the Vettel to Stroll one is hilarious. I'm not sure why it is this, but it says that it's four seconds. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that that must be wrong. Um, but yeah, Stroll has. I mean, he was showing some signs. When the you know in the better car last year, um, well, with, yeah, been, with, yeah, with Stroll, I, I got obviously he got into the sport through you know blatant nepotism, but yeah, you you watched him and you like well, I never I never thought he was as bad as you know the the narrative was around him, like and I think yeah. he like despite how he got into the sport, he probably still deserved his spot on the grid. But I think then, it was just the the way and the speed that he got there. Yeah, yeah. But once he got yeah. there, he proved I think he belonged. But then, yeah, this year it's been it's been bad. Like he's done he's done a lot. Like a couple of things broke like didn't break his way. Like he had that uh, the pretty big impact at uh at Baku, I think. Um yeah. but, uh you know, a couple other bits here and there, but I think yeah, there's been a lot of yeah, it's been a bit of a Murphy's Law season for Stroll, and yeah, he's only on eighteen points. He's he's you know last of the 
the serious point getters before you get into like the <laughs> the it's the shits and bits. Uh yeah. It's well, yeah, he's the highest finish at eighth and he's done that like four times. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not great. Um but saying that he's got absolute time to turn it around because he's like he arguably has the safest seat in F one. Um so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um another yeah, another guy whose seat's pretty safe probably uh, in F one is uh Williams and uh yeah, George Russell finally got some points as a Williams driver, although <laughs> still yeah, I mean, coming he's, second he's, in the team. I mean his his seat isn't safe at Williams because he's going to Mercedes. Yeah, I I mean but, in yeah. the sport in general, but yes. Oh, cool. Also yeah. I was oh, also uh, referring to Latifi having a pretty safe seat in his money. Uh, yeah. Well I think um, well, firstly, I'll say utter, utter hilarity. We joke about this all the time that Latifi is going to be Russell, <laughs> um, similar to when Kubica got the point over Russell. Um, yeah. But the second thing I'll say to that is that now with the new ownership and a bit more money, maybe they don't need to rely on Latifi's sponsorship as much, and maybe Williams will be looking for maybe a bit more experienced driver, maybe a Hockenberg, um, to sort of see what they do. New regulations wise, it'd be good to see Williams back up there. Certainly more competitive. Yeah. Um, as well to put like Mercedes Academy's drivers in a seat where they can do something and, and show um, what they can do. Like as much as Russell has shown it at Williams um, over the last couple of years, ha- had that been a more competitive car, maybe Russell is already in the Mercedes. Like if Russell had been regularly. Just say Russell was in the Red Bull program and he was in AlphaTauri and he had the car that could capably score in points every week. Yeah. Maybe that pushes him up earlier than what he's been doing with Williams, where basically his his win of the weekend is making an out of Q1. <laughs> and then now it's a disappointment if he if he gets knocked out in, in Q1. Um, well, he's made Q3 how many times this year? He's made Q3 twice and, and Q2 eight times. He's only been knocked down in Q1 once. Yeah. So it's been a very successful Mr. Saturday, Mr. Saturday season. Yep. Um, and, yeah, he's the only driver in F1 to out-qualify his teammate 11-0, and he's doing it by nearly four-tenths a weekend. So it's, it's pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty comprehensive. But if you look I mean, at the uh, no but if you look at the ladder, uh, I'm seeing Latifi with six points <laughs> and, and Russell with four points. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but I thought I thought it'd be one. I thought it'd be one nil, not six four. Oh, one nil would have been heartbreaking. <laughs> what was it? Was the Hungary was one of the one of the first races in a long time where. So, because the cars have become so reliable, that so many cars had retired that it was that we had legitimate scraps for. Oh my God, he's going to score points! Like, <laughs> this hadn't been a, basically Russell's entire time at Williams. Well, I think the last which, time that happened was um, last year at Austria, wasn't it? Where eleven cars finished, but where well, Latifi didn't score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, didn't eleven finish? But Latifi was eleventh. And then he fin- then he finished over Russell. Oh, well, he would have if Russell didn't go to Mercedes and get his three points for ninth and a fastest lap. Yeah, because yeah, um, well, they both would have had zero at Williams. Well, that's, they, they should just put George in the Mercedes for one race a year, so then he can finish on twenty five points. 
26 <laughs> points. And then just leave it at that. Bottas going to have it for 21, 22 races, whatever. Just get George's win every year. Yeah. Um, anything else in Williams before we run through the last two teams quickly? Well, I mean, yeah, they look slightly better. Um, similar to what I said with Gasly, like George has been going backwards on a, on a Sunday just because he's, he's at a point and hooked up with the setup in qualifying trim that, you know, you can really get it going on a Saturday, but when it comes down to race pace, the wind just doesn't quite have it yet. And that's why it's probably doing him a, a bit of a disservice, um, seeing him go backwards like that. Um, but yeah, I don't think he'll have to deal with the, with the wombs for, for much longer. Yeah, look, probably not. It's only a matter of time before he's, he's in the Mercedes. Um, Ooh, yeah. Let, let's see if you're getting points. What did, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've just seen your, your, uh, your heading for Alfa Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what exactly would you say they do here? I mean, they're sort of the Ferrari B team. That's that's why I wrote that because they're sort of the Ferrari B team, but they're not. But like similar to AlphaTauri, they're never going to be, or likely they're never going to be, like the super competitive. So like, I've never quite understood why Kimi is there because like, what is he? I understand he, you know, he's the most. Uh, experienced driver in F1 history, he's going to give you quality feedback and to develop your car. But, like... But what do they do I with mean, that feedback? <laughs> what, what, are, what are they... Yeah, what do they do? Like, it's... Yeah, while, whilst they're in this sort of setup where they're basically the Ferrari B team without being the Ferrari B team, very similar to Williams um, with Mercedes, it's... It, yeah, I, I, as much as I love Kimi, like, it just seems like a... Why doesn't Ferrari have two two young drivers in in this in these seats uh, in, instead of Haas? To be honest, yeah, and I mean, well, I mean, they're not they're not going to punt Kimi, but yeah, no. Well, that's the sort of the, the sort of thing you've got to respect a legend like that. Um, but you know, he's like we doing, just doing it for a hobby. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's just, he's just here to eat ice cream and drive cars. He's all out of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe Venazzi's been good, though, considering. He's been okay. I feel like his results don't do him justice, and that's probably a he's reflection a point, of, the, of the car. It's probably the reflection of, a, of the car. However, yeah. he's like Mr. Anonymous. Like, you just don't notice that he's on the grid. <laughs> Like I don't know, whether, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think but, if you were to yeah. give like a, a, a casual F one fan a list of the twenty driver, like um, the three letters for their name, yeah, I feel like he'd be the least known <laughs> <laughs> out, out of the twenty. <laughs> it's yeah, it's hard to gauge in that car, to be honest, and I, I think he's probably done enough. Um, Particularly qualifying, he's doing a decent job in qualifying up against Kimi. I think he's eight three on Kimi, and you know it's Kimi's no, no pushover benchmark, uh, ret- semi retirement Kimi or not. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's enough to, you know, in his favour to, to keep that seat. But I mean, it has to be said, you've got to make a decision eventually on these guys. They're only young and upcoming for so long. Um, you know, is 
like I said before, Ferrari should be the most stable driver lineup going forward. In, so, which in that case, like, what do they do with their stable? Um, questions to be answered, I guess, moving forward. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and finally, um. Yeah. The 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 Haas. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're there. It's making up numbers. I think I said this during the last time we we talked about F one is that in the Drive to Survive series, it just seems like Gene Haas is looking for a reason to pull his investment out of F one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot is a lot is riding on next season and what a whole year of okay, we're focusing on twenty twenty two. So what like two whole years of um sort of processes and works sort of results in. Um, I think it's gonna be next year is gonna be a huge year for them. Um, but I mean yeah other than that yeah. <laughs> not much to say they routinely <laughs> last and second yeah. last by a long way you even said like we were talking earlier you'd fill out you know a 30 driver grid quite solidly are we are we sure Mazda Spin makes the 30 no I don't <laughs> no I, I don't think he would make the 30 to be honest no I know I know yeah I'm not and yeah, I'm not sure. It's probably because I'm thinking like IndyCar drivers and you know Formula E drivers, F2 drivers. I, I probably Craig imagine the thirty. <laughs> and that's me not having him in the thirty probably isn't even taken in, into consideration. Like his, like his black stain of a like that's on his character either. Like purely driving, I'm I'm not sure that yeah he should be in F1. I think that's been the thing with Mazepin. It's like you know regardless of that off-track stuff. I mean, on-track as well, <laughs> a bit of an asshole, but, like, yeah. <laughs> um, just doesn't really have it. And granted, this Haas car is awful, and it is really hard to drive. And I, as I sort of put on our sheet, can we take anything from Schumacher 2021? Not really. You probably can't take much about Maspen either. Yeah, like you think Schumacher's doing quite well, and he look and he's like he's only thirty seconds behind eighteenth, and then Massman's thirty seconds behind him. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a it's a big thing in mixed favour that that he's up in the, he's up very comfortably in the, the head to heads. He's nine two on Mazepin, and then it's almost half a second, which is the second biggest gap between teammates in F one. Uh, the only bigger one is Gasly over Sonoda, of which you're looking at a gap there of a driver that's so confident in his car that he's making Q3 versus a rookie, whereas this is two rookies in the same machinery, you know, two guys of the same class, and Schumacher is, on average, almost half a second quicker. Yeah. Um, it, it, that's pretty decisive. Um, so certainly, you know, I think if Mick Schumacher was in the other position and, you know, he was getting beaten by Mazepin, there, there would be a lot of criticism, given, you know, obviously his name and how he's come into F1 so quickly. Um, but, like, yeah, yeah, he's just further validating. You know, he came through one Euro three very decisively at the end of the season, did the similar thing in F2, although not winning that many races. Um, I just... I, honestly, I want to see him in the Alfa Romeo, maybe. If you get him a little bit closer to the front of the grid, maybe what, can, what he can do. <laughs> if he starts with um, the car behind him. 
Well, at least, yeah, at least we can get maybe one one space up the grid. Uh, but we'll have to see. You know, there's probably a number of contenders for um, Alfa Romeo spots as well. Looking at like Ilos or Schwartzman or uh, Teo Chair. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't think they'll be half contenders because certainly they're not going to want to let go of um, Schumacher, and it seems like Mazepin brings the money. So, whilst that sort of thing's there, I think both of them will be the drivers next year, and we'll see what the cost of punting this year is. Yeah. Right. Do I do awards? Let's do awards. This is what we do so, best: is awards. Yeah. So you, I assume we're doing. Is it a three-two-one scale? Are we doing? Oh, well, I just I just figured if you give like two or three. Oh, do you want me to count? Contenders. Do you want me to count in one, two, three, and then we both say our. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like we were going to do a Brownlow thing. We'll be here. That, 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 that is what I meant, but then like the way you've written it is one, two, three. I was like, oh, maybe he wants me to introduce them. <laughs> like, I count. I count. Actually, to be honest, now that you say that, probably if we should have from the start of the season done three, two, one over the whole season, that would have given a more interesting, more interesting result. Maybe that's how we would have given Matt Pritis the Brownlow. Uh, they get those surprise <laughs> results. Um, but yeah. no, I just, I meant just that, that was the Brownlow a couple of... For, that was the Brownlow famous for Josh Kennedy sculling his beer every time he got a vote. It was famous for you tweeting about it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, no, as you were saying. So, yeah. So I just meant give a couple of examples. Yeah, so well, do, you, do you want to read them out and then I'll say mine first? I mean, you do what you want. Well, I, I assume you thought about these. I've, I've only looked at the sheets the first oh, okay. half an hour oh, ago. Right. So. Oh, okay, no, we're fine. Well, we'll I, I mean, basing similar off like F1 awards, the first one would be like most valuable driver, in which yeah. case it would depend on how you define, like, Obviously, you can have guys at the front, or you can have guys that you think you're doing better in the machinery, like dollar for dollar or pound for pound. Yeah, um, well, I, th- I think the pretty boring answer is, I think Verstappen's probably leading that. Yeah, if you were to give like a one, two, three, I, I think I would go Verstappen, Norris, and Hamilton. Um, yeah, I probably would have had pretty I, I, exactly the same. I think I would have had Hamilton second, Norris third, but it's really much of a muchness. Yeah, I think only be. I mean. Hamilton Leclerc's the only one I would champion. consider. Like, another one I'd probably yeah. push up there. Or Science. I would say, like, other contenders are like Gasly, Science, Alonso, Leclerc. But I think they're tiers tier. below. There's tier, yeah. I will add at least one tier, I would say, below. I think Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton, pretty clear-cut in this regard. Um, and like I said, I think in that respect, Hamilton being a seven-time world champion in one of the most dominant cars of all time, does work against him in this sort of view. So then you're down to Max and Lando. And then maybe if the Red Bull had been this type of car last year on this thing, maybe you go with Lando. But I think you have to go with Max. He's just been so impressive. Um, yeah. The race wins, the poles, so aggressive at the start of races. Um, yeah. Right, next. Right, so most impressive team, again, sort of like a relative look. Um, I think my three would be some order of like Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren. 
Um, yeah. Again, probably what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. I also put on my like little notes additional to this, I put Williams on a Saturday. <laughs> they're, they're, an impre- yeah. they're my most impressive team. But yeah, uh, Ferrari and McLaren hard to split uh, f- for different reasons. Um, Ferrari's sort of a surprise. McLaren, we knew they were going to be better. But, you know, they're still there doing it to see, the, the, to see that um, substantiate is, is nice. But, but again, Red Bull taking the leap yeah. forward into contention against Mercedes is <laughs> very hard to, un- to undercut that. Yeah, I, I and even like Mercedes not being in that list is probably just, I think, it's a reflection of how good the other teams have been. And I think Mercedes making a couple of uncharacteristic mistakes that have allowed other teams to drag them back as well. Yeah. I would also, again, it's a reflection of the criteria we're using. Yeah, yeah, Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, because, like, you know, yeah, yeah. If you're saying, oh, who are the best teams? Like, Mercedes would certainly be in there. But, well, yeah. like, yeah, using that sort of relative measure. But I haven't been impressed um, but, by Mercedes, you know. Well, I mean, it would take a lot. For Mercedes <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah, true. Um, even if they were slapping Red Bull and, you know, <laughs> it would still be tough. a tough ask. Um, right, uh, award number three, please, sir. This one I put best young driver, and then in brackets I put, like, under three seasons. But I guess if you're just thinking it on the spot now, just think of, like, a, you know, a young driver that you think of it as excelled this season. Well, it's, it's, um, well, it's obviously Norris, and if we're using that. Yeah, Norris, <laughs> yeah. I, I put Norris, Russell, and then Mick Schumacher with a question mark. Because we're not, we're not quite sure if Mick's doing well or not. Um, yeah. I think it is a bit... Maybe that's a bit harsh on Sonoda. He has had moments that have certainly... Yeah, I, I can't be sure that Mick... He, what Mick has like, done. Yeah, Mick is driving a billy cart, so... A billy cart, <laughs> which... Maybe his like, most impressive thing of the season was fending off Verstappen at, in Hungary for, like, half a lap. He's, um, Which sort of shows, get a run, shows you how to get a running start. Someone's got to push him off the start line. <laughs> it just shows you how bleak it is at Haas. Yeah, but no, I think but it's I mean, clearly yeah, Norris. Yeah, this this again, the criteria of this sort of just lends itself towards um, Norris and then Russell on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick, if you had to pick a rookie of the year, I guess you'd be going with Mick, or rookie of the half year. I think um, that said, go Sonoda. You, you would still go Sonoda. I was about uh, to say that, like, if you had to predict it, it's going to be Sonoda because he's going to have the chances to do it. Yeah. Well, like you said, he's had his moments and, like, you know, he's shown quality and, like, yeah, it's, it's I guess, you know, Mick just hasn't been given that chance to do that because he's yeah he's driving an absolute hot yeah. pile of garbage. It, it's a sh- it's a shame that like sixty six percent of the rookie class have are in this just like you said Billy Cart. Um, <laughs> it's sort of you know maybe this is certainly compared to like a a Russell Norris Albon class. Like certainly I would say this is a weaker crop of uh, I mean <laughs> to use the basketball term draftees. <laughs> uh, but but it is a shame that you know. Two thirds of the class are not in the position. Yeah, um, but at least Sonoda is. Uh, yeah. To 
to do something as a rookie, but yeah. Yeah. All right, All right the next one. Best victory at a race this season? I went with yeah. Yeah, Hamilton at Silverstone. Just because that was, like, again, didn't have to fight with Max, but, like, the crowd was unreal. Um, and then, yeah, fighting through the field after a mistake. Again, yeah, I'd say... Not saying die. Yeah, as a, a pure race, that's probably up there. I'd say in terms of, like, encompassing everything, I'd say Perez at Baku was pretty good. Just yeah. for the whole, dra- the whole drama of it all. All the theatre, obviously incredibly fortuitous considering what happened to Max. Yeah. Um, and I guess in that same vein, like, it's always cool to have a first time race winner, but, you know, Ocon, I don't think is the same level of, like, wow, what a win as someone like Gasly last year or even Perez's last no. year. That um, Gasly last year was, like, fantastical level of, like, wow, because it hadn't happened in so long. Like, yeah. just such an unexpected race winner. Yeah. Usually it would be like everything in F one goes to hell. Oh, the second Mercedes one. Like yes. Yeah. <laughs> Other ones yeah. I put down for that is like uh, Max in either of the Austrian wins, just because he was so dominant. But like yeah. that's not necessarily fun or the spirit of the thing. And then <laughs> another another one I put down is would have been Leclerc in Monaco. I think that would have been cool as well. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I probably, I probably, I'd say my most enjoyable win was probably Perez's Baku. Yeah, I think yeah, for me Hamilton and Silverstone just come through the field at the end. Um, well, like, like yeah, like I said, like you, your next point is best race. I probably give Silverstone the best race. Oh, see, interesting. I would have gone with Baku for that. <laughs> just the like crazy unexpected, like when. Max's tyres went, you're like, oh, okay, that's the thing that's going to happen in this race. But then Hamilton off the restart, just completely overblowing it. And then just, like, having back-to-back, like, oh, my God, moments. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we would use the same criteria for different events. But, I mean, we're getting to the same conclusion, really. So, well, I'd I'd say they're both the top two in both categories, just however you want to order them. I probably, for a podium, would round it out with Hungary. Um, just the, the carnage at the beginning, the Hamilton yep. no not pitting, and then every, everybody in the pits and just him on the grid. Um, I mean, I hate the circuit, but there was a decent race at Paul Ricard. Um, Max with like a lap and a half to go um, for the win. There was a big, we finally got a good race at that circuit. <laughs> But yeah, that, those uh, wouldn't be my other. And your last point, or your last uh, best of? Yeah, see, I probably can't answer this one because I can't think of any. But I'll yeah, let you this go one, for like it. best overtake of the season. Um, I don't. There's nothing of like a, a Ricardo on Bottas at, in China, 2018 sort of level of overtake. Um, Ricardo's had a couple of nice moments, and like I think he's known as probably the the, the best overtaker. Or at least the most daring yeah. overtaker. I think um, this is, like I said, I sat through the highlights of each race of this season earlier, trying to, like, specifically for this part, like, trying to look at, like, what's yeah. the best overtake this season. And there hasn't been that many, like, super memorable ones, but there's been some pretty, like, 
decent. Um, Hamilton and Alonso at Hungary was an awesome battle. I spoke about it earlier. Um, Max on Mick Schumacher in that same race, decent. Um, Alonso knife through butter at the Baku restart, very memorable. Um, Norris on Lewis in Austria at turn six. That's probably the best overtake this year. Uh, sweeping around that big left. Um, yeah. A couple of, um, a, a sneaky contender for overtake of the year is Mick on Mazepin at the Lowe's hairpin in Monaco, just because <laughs> the cars are so wide now that it is impossible to overtake there. And Mick just sort of said, oh, I'm not sitting behind this guy forever. <laughs> just completely on the inside of the hairpin. Um, and then, yeah, Leclerc and Perez going at it in Austria. Um, again, I put a what if on basically all of these awards, but I think the best overtake of the year probably would have been Russell on Bottas and Emma if they didn't crash. Oh, yeah. Like that would have been insane. Well, just because of the the, the symbolism of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And you want to go to the predictions to round it out? Yes. Yeah. We go to predictions. Right. So who do you who do you think is going to win the title fight? Um, if we're basing it off, yeah. I'm, it's the first time I've had to think about this question in like five years. <laughs> I mean, I, I look, I want to say Max, and I think he's got the form and the machinery to finally do it. So yeah. I'm going to say Max. Yeah, I, th- I think he can win the world title. Um, just seems to have, even though Hungary didn't particularly end well for him, and also he's coming off the DNF at uh, Silverstone, just seems to have a bit more momentum. Like, he looks the more likely... Yeah. Like, it seems like Lewis is ahead, but very fortunately. And that's what would probably lead me towards Max. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a very real chance that Mercedes have some sort of upgrade out of nowhere and they blow the ball <laughs> away. Like, they did that to Ferrari a couple of years ago as well. Um, yeah. And there is the element of Red Bull of, of somewhat, uh, you know, Max missing out in Baku because of that. And then him being taken out in Silverstone and Lewis winning the race, like they've fortune has not favoured them in that in that respect. And that, you know, how many chances are they going to get? Um, certainly, that's squandered Ferrari um, in recent history. But yeah, yeah. I, I I think Max is probably going to win. I think he's going to break through. Um, yeah, yeah. It, and then I it, guess yeah. And then well, no, you finished because I was going to. I was just going to say it the, would be. Wild, if Hamilton wins eight. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, by virtue of Hamilton break. Oh, sorry, if Verstappen breaking through, then I think by extension, Rebel probably takes out constructors. I mean, yeah, I don't. <laughs> maybe I'm big branded and say, well, I mean, you're essentially betting on Bottas or Perez, really. Well, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what I mean, and, and I think like yeah, yeah, Perez has shown like I, I get he's got less points than Bottas. Yeah. But Bottas, like, for, like, look. Bottas has six podiums, right? Yeah. Um, where, where are we? Yeah. Bottas has six podiums. Like Perez has two. Yeah. And he's only four points behind. Norris has uh, three, and he's only five points ahead. Yeah. So, like Bottas, there's a lot of DNFs in there. There's a lot of mistakes. And 
whether all of those are his fault, probably not. But there's definitely, you know, he hasn't been as solid this year. Like, Perez has been a, a much more consistent driver. And I think when you add the two together, and I don't think uh, any of the other guys are really consistent threats to take the big points off these guys. Like, Norris aside, I don't think the Ferrari guys or, uh, you know, Ricardo, Gasly or whatever yeah. are banking enough points consistently to, to make the constructors dicey. So I think well, it is probably going to be Red Bull in the end. Well, I think those guys are only taking points off the other ones if they're not finishing. I don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, or there's some sort of mistake or error that leads Bottas or Perez to be down and stuck in, like, eighth. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, there certainly could be a split. They can't rule that out, certainly, because it is so close um, on in both championships. But, yeah, you would assume that if Max... Um, comes out with the world title, you would assume that Red Bull can do it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it is sort of like the the second driver world championship, really, the constructors. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to come down to Bottas and Perez. Or maybe yeah. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's Russell, well, yeah. they, if, they if they take, the title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although, does Russell then take points off Hamilton? I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, there would be the directive, I'd imagine, at Mercedes, at least for yeah. the half season, would be the, you know, Toto over the thing <laughs> and George. Like, look, they're, they're handcuffing me right now, but as my last order, I swear to God, if you don't let Lewis win this race. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, your next prediction. Yeah, do you think Ricardo can get a podium this year? Well, he's definitely capable. And I think we've seen instances this year where things have happened where it's broken for a fringe guy to break, like to get that podium. Yeah. So I think in that aspect, yes, I do think he can. And we've still got a few wide open races to come. So, like. I'm not going to say he does get it, but well, it's possible, yeah, obviously. But if yeah. I was to bet it would happen, I'd say probably not. Yeah, I'd be similar. Like, maybe he's already had his luck as well with Hungary, but then he's also had the bad luck at the same time with the spin. Um, but, like, as it stands, he probably, you know, you're going to need three or four of the top four to retire probably to get that. Because on pace at the moment, like the McLaren just doesn't quite have it. Slash, in qualifying, he, he just can't seem to get the car high enough. Yeah. Because um, like, sort it of starts quite well. Ironically, like how I was talking about spring qualifying wasn't great. It was the best weekend of the year for Ricardo by a mile. He qualified sixth, started the race fifth, and then finished uh, fifth. So like, yeah, um, that was his most complete and maybe the only complete weekend he's had. Um, hmm. So we'll have to say, I mean, small steps at a time. I, th- I think, yeah, like you said, he, he can do it. You're just going to need some sort of chaos maybe to, to produce that because, you know, as good of a, as a, of a car as the McLaren is, even Lando has been fortunate for his podiums given how some things yeah. have broken his way and, you know, usually Bottas or Perez sort of gets bogged down 
and he can use the clean air to sort of create the gap. Um, yeah. Daniel would need that sort of situation. Yeah, look, it, it's definitely conditional, um, which is why I lean towards it not happening, but... Yeah, uh, yeah, we've we've got enough evidence that it, it definitely is possible this year, with how even everything is. And then yeah, just the last one. Um, it's actually pretty close at the moment, anyway. But do you think Bottas and or Perez can catch Lando Norris for third? Um. Well, I guess it depends on how much you think Norris is performing over his capabilities with the car. Yeah. And whether that continues. I th- I'd say one of them, at least, probably does end up running him down and taking over. Yeah. Um, you know, more likely given the form we've seen Perez. Uh, I think realistically, like, yeah, the whole, they've had three weeks off, you know, if Mercedes comes back with a with an upgrade, then... It's entirely possible that uh, that Norris slips down to fifth pretty quickly. Yeah, I think both will probably do it. Like for as good as Lando has been, it's like almost unsustainably good. Yeah. Like continually finish either finishing either podium fourth or fifth. Like yeah, I mean it just remains to be seen how, and also because it's been. Without Hungary, just largely without retirements as well. Like that, that's going to play a factor as well. I think this, had we been asking ourselves after Silverstone and Norris hadn't had a retirement yet, um, and he was a bit, you know, he's a bit more in front of um, the guys below him, maybe a bit more of a gap. Um, but given that it's only five points over Bottas, and nine points over Perez, just given that they're in the superior machinery and expected to be up there. I mean, you could basically guarantee that Bottas and Perez are going to be on the podium at least once again, whereas that's not necessarily a guarantee for Norris. I think therein lies that they're probably going to catch him. Um, But, I mean, that's not to say... It's very possible that he beats one or both as well. Um, So, yeah, I guess just have to see. But, yeah, like you said, it, the Norris performance does seem like an over overachievement of, of that car. Um, and, and maybe that's just apologising for Daniel's performance, but, like, it just seems a little too... Yeah, I don't know. It, it, he seems like, again, he's, the car's very good in qualifying with the way that he's got it set up. Yeah. And it gives him a chance to, to leapfrog... Perez or Bottas or whoever's sitting sort of fourth or fifth, and then he uses that initial jump off the line to create such a gap over the midfield that he's guaranteed that fourth or fifth slot. Yeah. So, yeah like I said, if I had to pick, I'd imagine probably both will beat him. But Yeah, I um, think look, the gap's only 10 points between third and fifth anyway, as it stands, yeah. or nine points or whatever it is. So that's that's like, what, two, that's, that's two weekends, really. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if if Lando happens to DNF this weekend and then Bottas and Perez just score solid points, then that's already even with how many races to go? Ten? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not looking good if if you're cheering. If you've got Lando uh, top three in your start of season multi, 
you should probably cash out now because you get great odds. True. You've already you've already got your profit. Yep. Reinvested into the Ricardo podium. <laughs> any any closing remarks before we wrap it up? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> um, watch watch, watch uh, dra- uh, not sponsored by Draft to Survive Season 4 out early 2022 <laughs> again I like how that was announced after they'd already been filming it like at Race for Ken for like half a year yeah <laughs> um, well we, we introduce you every time you come onto the show which is admittedly more than I care to like more than I care for um, <laughs> you know you're on the internet on the internet uh, and we referenced it earlier uh, a, a writer, a staff writer for... Hard, hardest working employee or consultant at uh, beyondthefence.com.au Yeah, forward yeah. slash Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you can find me at Tim R. Ray W-R-A-Y on the Twitter platform and yeah, nowhere I'm, else. I'm, yeah, I'm talking about he, he uh, Tim wrote the uh, uh, blasting Daniel Ricardo. <laughs> you know, pretty shit was in the title I saw. That was the title, absolute clickbait. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's doing all right. As a you know, it's better than half the the Peter Valandis things we got up there. So yeah. <laughs> um. Obviously, yeah. Follow me as usual at Ben S Quag B E N S Q U A G. Um, just in case anyone you know, was like struggling on the spelling, uh, beyond T fence on the internet, uh, beyond the fence.com.au. You can find the podcast on Spotify, Apple, where else is it? Google, Stitcher. Um, <laughs> I look at the analytics sometimes and like Spotify and the SoundCloud ones, like they come up and they do all right. I swear, like, I don't know if Google and Apple is just like, a, a, I don't know what it is, but it's just like blanking. And then Stitcher's Stitcher, so no one uses that anyway, so. Is it blanking or is nobody listening? No, no, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know, like, if it's just lack of data, like, they, it's a minimum sample, or like, I don't know what's going on. But, or it's just, yeah, no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in fairness, I don't really, uh, people, I, mainly people get it on Spotify nowadays anyway. I'd say that's the main platform, or Apple. Um, yeah, subscribe on whatever platform suits you. Leave a rating. And, uh, yeah, other than that, we'll see you at some point in the future. <laughs>